As a finance professional, you're constantly looking to learn from the best. Do you want to meet them? Join me in our panel of top industry experts at our next CFO Leadership Live event on November 2nd in Dallas, Texas, as we talk with a panel of CFOs about their top growth strategies and plans for a successful 2023. The workshop includes a complimentary buffet lunch and the chance to network with other DFW finance leaders. Head over to CFOLeadershipLive.com to secure your seat. Welcome back to CFO Weekly, where we're talking with financial leaders about how to build efficiency in their teams, create time for strategy, and ultimately get results. With your host, Megan Weiss. Let's jump right in. Today, my guest is Valerie Bauer-Gore. Valerie is Loop's Chief Financial Officer with over 20 years of SaaS, finance, and management consulting experience. Valerie's mission is to partner with Loop's business leaders to create customer value and deliver business results. By leveraging an operational focus with data-driven execution, Valerie strives to accelerate revenue growth, optimize acquisition, and improve customer retention. Valerie, thank you so much for joining me on today's episode. I'm happy to be here, Megan. Yeah, today we're going to be talking about your career journey and advice for supporting high-growth companies. Um, And as always, let's get started with you and, and your story as to how it is that you got to where you are today. Sure. So I started um, early in my career, I was in banking and management consulting, and I'd also pursued an MBA in finance and strategy. I took a chunk of time off to raise my kids, and then I joined the strategic finance team at Constant Contact. And this was my kind of first pure finance role, and it's where I developed as a finance professional while also gaining deep expertise in the SaaS space. So I spent a bunch of time at Constant Contact, and that really kind of created my updated career goals, I would say, which was to be a finance leader in the SaaS space. After Constant Contact, I joined a mid-sized cybersecurity company called Carbon Black, which was very quickly after I joined, acquired by a very large company, VMware. Um, And so while I learned a lot going through an acquisition and the subsequent integration, this experience really kind of solidified in my mind what I wanted and actually what I didn't want in my career. And I knew definitely then that I wanted to be part of a smaller organization whose size would allow that true collaboration and partnership with the business. A place where me as a finance professional would have the opportunity to really um, impact the business. And that's what led me to my current role as CFO at Loop, which is a returns and exchange software company for merchants on Shopify. And what really attracted me to Loop was the fact that this, this company, this small and grown company, had a really strong product market fit, which was evidenced by its super strong growth and its high net dollar retention. It was in a growth industry related to e-commerce and return software. And then finally, and really most importantly in finding the right fit, Loop has a super strong culture. And after being parts of different companies with different cultures, I knew that I was looking for a company that had a super strong culture and a passionate team. And that's how I ended up at Loop. 
So a question about what you just said. So a super strong culture. Um, first of all, how has that served you guys in the last two years? And how are you maintaining culture or how did you maintain the culture while everybody was remote? I think part of it is, number one, it comes from the top. So the leadership team has to care about it. And a lot of our culture relates to our core values. And our core values are be a human first, clear is kind, go get results, land the plane, and make merchants successful. And some of those core values are aspirational. We don't deliver on them every day, but that be a human first is one that Loop lives and the, the, the employees in the company live every day. And that's what makes it a special part. So part of it is these core values. And the interesting thing is most companies I've worked with in the past, you know, 15 or 20 years, everyone has core values, right? And they're typically on the wall if you still have an office. And often you need to, you know, if, if someone's, um, if someone's, Getting a spot bonus often you have to relate it to a core value. But I don't feel like in prior companies, people have really lived the core values like they do at Loop. And we are calling out core values in meetings and emails and holding people accountable to land the plane. Um, and I think that just underlies everything we do that helps with the culture. Um, and then there's other lots of smaller things we do. We have our weekly wrap every Friday. Um, where the company gets together for an hour. And every week it amazes me at the huge participation of people showing up to um, learn about the company, celebrate people's anniversaries, celebrate wins. Um, and it's, so it's really just having a very um, deliberate approach to building that culture and continuing that particularly in a remote environment. And particularly for us, because we've almost doubled our employee population in the past year. Wow. Um, you also mentioned that you took uh, some time off after having kids to, to raise those kids. How did you how did you find getting back into the workforce to be and and how did you go about doing it? I, I know a lot of women struggle. It is difficult. Um, I think it was it's more it was more difficult when I did it than I think it is today. When I exited the the workforce. We didn't have people connecting on LinkedIn and we didn't have people with flexible work arrangements like there are today. And we certainly didn't have the um, remote work that we have today. So it, it, it was what I did is I started dabbling in trying to get some small consulting um, opportunities before I went back and was ready to commit to working full time. And, you know, I had to take a step back. I took a job that probably wouldn't have been my, was certainly wouldn't have been the level that I would have taken if I hadn't taken myself out. But I had the confidence in myself that I just needed to go in, um, improve myself um, and work hard. And that um, I trusted that that would help me on my journey. Uh, you know, I would encourage people today, there's a lot more opportunities that um, you can, you know, exit and, you know, kind of keep yourself in there and stay a little more connected and network today because it's a lot easier, which will help with that transition back. But there's many, many companies who are looking for people who work, who had taken themselves out of the workforce and then coming back. And people just need to, um, you know, it takes a little courage, I think, for, um, for people to do it. But there are, there's opportunities. And I think there's a real value that companies place on people returning to the workforce on their prior experiences. Thank you for sharing that. 
Um, let's switch gears and let's talk about Loop. Uh, what, it is, what is it that Loop does? Sure. Um, Loop is a leading exchange first return software um, for brands on the Shopify e-commerce platform. So brands today spend a lot of time and money attracting customers and getting merchandise to those customers. And we all know that returns are just a part of the business. However, you know, returns shouldn't be viewed as a cost center. We have to remember that returns are really a key connection point with that customer. And a good returns experience um, is going to help drive that customer lifetime value in the same way as a bad returns experience could make you lose that customer. And so a returns really is an opportunity for a merchant to provide a positive experience, to retain revenue through exchanges and upsell, and like I said, to increase that customer lifetime value. And that's exactly what Loop is doing for merchants. So today, Loop has about 1,800 merchants on the Shopify um, platform, merchants like Brooklyn and Chubby's, Mad Happy. Um, And through all those merchants, we've helped them retain over $700 million in revenue. And, you know, some of the key challenges that we've solved for these merchants is that we provided automate automation of the returns experience, exchanges, integrations, customization, data analytics. Um, and but what we're really looking to do as we move forward, which is part of our vision, is our vision is to help those brands create their ideal post-purchase experience. And each brand is different. So one brand's ideal post-purchase experience may be very different from another brand's. So for example, one brand might be highly focused on sustainability, and that's going to impact how they do returns and exchanges. While another brand might be focused on getting you know, merchandise back to their warehouse as soon as possible. So what Whoop is committed to doing is to providing that optionality for brands so they can deliver their ideal post-purchase experience. And, you know, as we solve some of these challenges, we're looking to solve more of those challenges in the future. Things like omni-channel and fraud and refurbishment and re-commerce. And so we want to help those brands in that whole post-purchase experience. Yeah, that sounds like an amazing product. I mean, the return is such an easy place for things to go wrong <laughs> or when when it's not easy. I'm sure people, merchants do lose a lot of customers that way. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of statistics out there that say um, a bad returns experience, um, what percentage, it's a high percentage, you know, over 50% of customers won't shop again at an e-commerce purchase after a bad returns experience. Wow. So you've been there now just over a year. Um, first of all, what are what are your proudest achievements since joining? So last summer, um, right after I joined, we raised our Series B with some really great investors. So that's certainly a highlight because those funds enable us to continue to invest for growth. And like I said, we brought in some really great new investors, which are really valuable to us as a business. The second thing I'd say that I'm most proud of is our growth. Um, We've more than doubled our business in the past year, and that's through growth of both new merchants and existing merchants, which particularly with that growth of existing merchants, it's proven we're delivering value 
to those merchants. Um, and that's evidence in that revenue retention that I talked about through exchanges and upsells and gift cards. Um, and then from a company perspective, we talked a little bit about this before on the culture, but I'm very proud of the culture that Loop has and that we've been able to maintain it over the past year while the company has grown its revenue so much and while we've grown our employee place about 90%. Um, so I think, you know, those would be the things when I look back, I'm probably most proud of. So I'm just curious how... When you came on um, as a new CFO, how how did you integrate into the business and, and how did you hit the ground running? When I came in, again, we were a series A. We didn't have a um, we didn't really have much of a, a finance and accounting team. And a lot of it is just learning the business. And that's how I am as a, a finance professional. And that's how you also see CFOs today moving to be much operational. So hitting the ground running is coming in and really understanding all parts of the business so that you can understand the numbers. You can't really understand the numbers unless you understand the business. And so um, a lot of it was learning the business so that I can do the forecasting and I can identify the risks and opportunities. And then the other thing, again, because we're a startup, is thinking through what are the first things that we need to do to set us, like from an infrastructure perspective, to set us up for success? And how do we prioritize starting to build out that infrastructure, which we need to grow and scale? And how do you prioritize that? Because I know, you know, moving from a startup to maybe a more mature organization is not an easy feat. So uh, how do you prioritize what's going to happen first? Well, some of it, like it was for Loop, was looking at who I had on staff and what my expertise is. So when we look at my team, the office of the CFO, um, I came up from the finance side. And so I know I needed to bring in a controller who was strong in accounting. I understand accounting, but I don't have an accounting degree. I don't have a CPA. And so that was a key hire for me so that we could feel confident in our numbers, because that's so important, particularly as you grow and you look for additional investors to have the confidence in their numbers. And there's a lot of, um, you know, associated things look in regards to reducing risk of looking at sales tax and starting to set up um, your systems to handle AP and your, you know, your teeny. And so from a CFO perspective, it's putting those first things in place. And you mentioned this a few minutes ago, but um, Loop recently raised $65 million in Series B funding in July of 2021. So talk to me about what went into this and what the approach was. Um, in regards to raising it or in regards to how we're I guess bringing to spend in, that money? Well, first of all, raising it. How did you bring in new investors? What was your, what was your approach to that? Yes, I mean, so we had a strong, a strong investors already. Our existing investors with First Mark Capital had led our Series A, and we had Ridge Ventures and Peterson Ventures and Lair Hippo. So, in looking at the B, you know, yes, we are looking to raise money to fund our growth, but it's also evaluating what those investors can bring to you and how they can support your company. Um, going forward? What expertise do they have? What other portfolio companies have they learned from that they can bring that expertise to help, you know, loop grow? Um, so a lot of it is, 
you know, and luckily we were in a great position. We were growing well. We had super strong. Our SaaS metrics were great. So we had a lot of interest. And so that enabled us to really be more selective and which investors could help us on this next part of the journey. And second, how are you going to spend it? Well, we were using those funds to continue to invest and scale our product development and our go-to-market teams um, so we can continue to transform this returns space um, and provide that positive experience both for merchants and customers. Because that's what our product does. I didn't really mention this. It's like our product is a benefit both for merchants, thinking about the automation and making it easy on their customer success teams, as well it's providing a really positive, seamless experience for their customers. Um, Another area that we've used some of the money in is to further invest in our security and data teams to ensure that continued platform stability and scalability. I think everyone's heard in this, um, you know, the times that we keep hearing about increased cyber attacks, that security really is of utmost importance. And so it's super important that we are continuing to invest in securing our platform and protecting our merchants' data. And then from a scale, like a stage of business, we've invested in that next layer of management um, that's going to help provide the leverage, particularly to myself and the rest of the leadership team, so that we can continue to grow at the rapid pace that we've been growing at. And let's talk about that growth. You mentioned that um, that you guys have doubled your workforce in the last 12 months. What what went into that? How are you guys doing that at a time when talent is so seemingly scarce? Yes. So, well, it's just about 90% growth, I would say, in the past year. So a little bit under 100. Um, we have gone out. We've leveraged a lot of um, employee referrals. So people who work here and using some of the network. Our company is based, <coughs> does have an office in Columbus, Ohio. So we have about a third of our employees who are located in that area. Um, and so they have helped retract people some other, from some other companies there. And it's really, I think we have a super strong recruiting process where we run a, we provide a lot of visibility and transparency to the candidates so they know where they are um, and they know what the process is. And we share the opportunity. I mean, part of it is we have a great opportunity in front of us at Loop. So it certainly helps that we have super strong results that we've doubled, but we're also, the, the market opportunity is there and being able to show that market opportunity as well as the vision, I think has really helped. And then kind of to hammer it home, like I've talked about having that special culture, that really strong culture has helped attract people. And let's switch gears again. And let's talk about the role of CFO in general. How, how have you seen that role or leadership roles within finance evolve over, let's say, the last five to 10 years? I would say like 10 or more years ago, like CFOs were more primarily responsible for maintaining accurate financial records and ensuring compliance with accounting and tax regulations. You know, they were really focused on reporting historical results and not as involved 
that much in daily operations. But today, a CFO needs to be what I always say is a business leader first with a finance focus. You know, the CFO's key role is to help the team operationally deliver on favorable financial results. Um, And for me, and I think for a lot of CFOs today, to be successful, you really need to develop strong relationships across the company, um, across all functions and all levels. And it's about building this close collaboration with the business. Number one, that helps you truly learn the business. Um, Number two, it helps you understand where the pressure points are the business. It allows you to help the teams, different teams across your company achieve their goals. And from a finance perspective, the more you know and um, the connections you have across the business, it's going to help you glean insights into company performance that you can't get by just looking at the numbers. You need to know what's the undercurrents and to have those conversations. Um, So, you know, basically, a CFO really needs to understand all aspects of the business um, because it really impacts the P&L. And you're seeing, I think, over the past 10 to 20 years, you've just seen CFOs become much more operational and becoming those true business partners, finance partners, to the rest of um, the functions of the leadership team and across the organization. Yeah, that's great advice. I know I've heard um, the term storyteller used quite a bit lately. And yeah, I I think you can't be a storyteller unless you understand the operations and, and really understand the business. Definitely. And there's so many times that the CFO has to be able to tell that story. Um, and it's internally, it's into investors, it's to, it's to the board, it's to potential partners or vendors that you get pulled into those conversations. And as you look at your own team, what are the biggest challenges that, that you guys are facing, let's say, for the remainder of the year and as we start 2023? I think the biggest challenge is that we're facing, like a lot of companies today, is there's just a lot of uncertainty in the macroeconomic environment. And how do we best manage that uncertainty, both with our, you know, our merchants, our, our current and prospective merchants, as well as our employees? And so our approach at Loop is, you know, we really feel that communication and transparency are key. So we are really leaning in to being uh, very clear on our communications, on our goals, what we're happening, what we're seeing in the market, and just providing frequent communication. And lastly, what advice do you have for other CFOs out there who are looking to drive strategic value and, and grow revenue and margin within their organization? Sure. It's a lot of, I think, what we've already talked about today. Yeah. One is know your business inside and out. You need to know your business to be able to be a great financial leader and to help influence and impact the business. And one of the ways you do that is to build really deep and wide relationships across your organization. And then you need to leverage these relationships and this knowledge of the business um, to align their financial resources with those strategic priorities, as well as to help being agile agile and reacting to both opportunities and roadblocks um, that might exist. And then finally, you, you know, don't be afraid to invest in growth. Valerie, thank you so much for being my guest today. You're welcome, Megan. It was a pleasure.
Yeah, I really enjoyed speaking with you and hearing about your experiences. And I certainly wish you and Loop all the best. To all of our listeners, please tune in next week. And until then, take care. If you're ready to boost efficiency and streamline your accounting processes at significant cost savings, it's time to talk with Personiv. Their people-powered solutions have transformed the delivery of back office tasks and general accounting functions for decades, partnering with clients to provide everything from accounts payable to payroll services. See what Personiv can do for you by visiting personiv.com. You've been listening to CFO Weekly presented by Personiv. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to hear all of our episodes. Want to learn more? Check out personiv.com. Thanks for listening.